everything you see on television. It was all filmed on a soundstage in Hollywood. I hear they got some big producer-director types to fake the whole thing, just to make those commies sweat bullets. I hear that them astronauts wouldn't even survive because of all the space radiation. Yeah, I know. Them moon rocks are just rocks. They found them out in the desert. Haven't you seen the pictures? They're all doctored, and they didn't even bother to put stars in the shots. Yep, that's what I hear. Mysterious deaths, powerful cabals to secret societies, alternative histories, and the paranormal. Sometimes the public doesn't believe what we are told to believe. Join me as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influenced the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. Welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. I'm your host, Ryan Nelson. On this episode, one of the most explored conspiracies of the 20th century, the 1969 moon landing and subsequent Apollo missions to the moon were faked, a claim that is still believed by up to 20% of the population. Hoax claims first surfacing in the mid-70s, caught on with the public dissolution with the space program, wary of a government plagued by controversy, recovering from a protracted war, and angry at an economy suffering huge inflationary activity and political strife. After the break, we'll cover the gist of the conspiracy and discuss the current events of the day that made this such an appealing belief for a frustrated population that had, less than a decade before, sat in front of their televisions, wrapped in amazement, watching the first steps of mankind onto a distant world. Yeah, I decided to kick off this little show with the Big Daddy Conspiracy of the 20th Century. Um, It's the Apollo moon landing hoax. Now, this is a 40-year-old theory. I mean, with a number of flavors and variations. At its foundation, the moon landing conspiracy maintains a small but persistent following uh, that claimed that the uh, six Apollo moon landings, Apollo 11 through 17, from 1969 until 1972, were faked propaganda films. They were produced by NASA in an effort to embarrass the USSR during the Cold War. Now, the theory was introduced to the public psyche pretty much back in 1976 by Bill Casey. Uh, through his self-published book, We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 billion swindle, he alleged that a, that a determination that a successful man landing on the moon was deemed all but impossible, and that it would be easier for NASA to fake the landings than to actually go there. Uh, Pretty much, this is widely attributed to be the start of the discussion. Um, While it's safe to say that uh, this had 
been t idea had been tossed around as early as 1968. It really wasn't in the public's eye. Um, now, Casing, his claims were later bolstered uh, as late as 1980 by the Flat Earth uh, Society. Uh, their theory alleged that the landings were staged in Hollywood with Walt Disney as, uh, with sponsorship, scripted by Arthur C. Clarke, and directed by Stanley uh, Kubrick. So, basically, the, the biggest names and the biggest money in, in science fiction and, and in cinema. Now, uh, you know, we can look a bit, a little bit in detail with, with casing. Um, I mean, he worked for a company that was involved in rocket development, a company called Rocketdyne, uh, back in the, uh, the, the early 60s um, and uh, 50s. Uh, they built F-1 engines that were used on the Saturn V rocket. But, I mean, this guy was not a, a, a rocket aerospace engineer. He was not a rocket scientist. Um, and he didn't really even have a background in, in technical writing. Uh, he was a former Navy U.S. Uh, U.S. Navy officer. He had a background in English. And he was hired as a, a technical writer. Um, but uh, effectively, his book alleges that there was a 0% chance for any sort of effective man landing on the moon. And even though the USSR was monitoring, monitoring the whole program, uh, that it was actually easier for NASA to fake the moon landings than to even try to go there. Now, we aren't going to go into any detail on, on the various points and the allegations that are, are usually found and associated with this conspiracy, uh, such as the flag waving and landing craters. Those have been discussed at length elsewhere. I mean, everywhere. And, and I've listened to hours of great podcasts that have discussed this topic in depth. And I don't want to steal their thunder. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll probably just recommend several great podcasts in the show notes. So that if you'd like to hear about the conspiracy in detail, you can listen to those. I mean, they're great. Uh, they covered at length. Uh, but for our discussion... Really, a basic understanding is enough. Uh, what is really interesting is that the conspiracy claim caught the public imagination. I mean, it took off like wildfire. So what was going on in the mid-70s when Casing self-published this book? I mean, why did it not get relegated to the annals of forgotten literature? You know, a guy walking around with a self-published book, getting this squeezed into bookstores where he can, and getting anybody to listen to him talk about this. I think there were a lot of things going on at the time which primed uh, the public mindset, the public psyche on this. Really, we're looking at a point four years after uh, the program, the, the moon landing program ended. Uh, so... We weren't going anymore. Um, in fact, our entire uh, space program mission had changed directions. Not only that, no one else was going. I mean, no one else was really even trying. The moon was all but abandoned. Uh, we had we had a, a handful of moon rocks, right? 
And while there's plenty of technical advancement and innovation that is associated directly with the space program, you know, at the time, people are uh, not seeing these things at front. I mean, they were advancing development and research, uh, but, but people weren't tying that together. You know, likewise, we're talking about the 70s. Uh, and, and we could get into a, a few of those things right now. I mean, the world was really at a lack of progress with the space program. You know, when when we went, there were ideas in, in public perceptions about where it would lead. You know, we were we were going to be living on on the moon. There was going to be bases. There was going to be people walking around, and 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 that just simply wasn't happening. Instead we were moving towards the inevitable, a commercialization of space. You know, there was two directions going on in the program. One was farther missions out, uh, such as the Viking program. You know, there was trips out to Mars. They were starting to look at that with satellites, of course, unmanned deep space satellites, as it were. But for manned missions, it was transitioning to a, a near-Earth, low-Earth orbit research. Uh, in fact, what we'll do is we'll get into a little bit of a timeline. Uh, now, <laughs> to pull up a timeline for the 1970s is to cover a lot of stuff, and, and I don't want to cover too much here uh, and just make it a fact list. So I kind of identified a few things that I thought really stood out as as some key things that that made the public mindset really susceptible to this kind of thinking. Uh, you, looking at it, let's let's move forward. I mean, by 1972, of course, it was the last uh, Apollo mission with Apollo 17. And while a very successful mission, by this point, it wasn't much different than anything else going on. People weren't simply tuning in at the, at the sheer excitement. By 1973, Skylab is launched. Uh, you know, for those of you that aren't too familiar with Skylab, it was basically our, our first uh, uh, real space station endeavor. And um, it, it launched uh, rather successfully, and uh, there was a lot of research going on with that. But again, we're talking about a low Earth orbit activity. Now, politically, we have uh, the Watergate scandal which was, I believe, around 1974. Um, uh, along with that, between 73 and 75, we had the end of Vietnam, uh, with a withdrawal beginning in 73 and pretty much the complete exit of all military uh, U.S. military forces by 75, and then, of course, the, the uh, uh, takeover of South Vietnam. Let's stop th at that point and talk about that. I mean, right then and there, that's one of the uh, key aspects of this discussion because we have a we have some major military activity that was completely unsuccessful. I mean, you know, as we know, we're, we don't want to get into a history lesson here on Vietnam, but of course, people weren't happy with it and. The, the expense in lives, in cost, in military spending was, um, was astronomical. And 
it uh, engendered uh, quite a bit of distrust of the government by the population. Tack on Watergate, and now you had a, a distrust, a disillusionment of our leaders and leadership and government as a whole. Uh, you know, if they could lie to us about this, what else could they lie to us about? You, when you start thinking about like that, then the idea that maybe they're not telling us the truth about something as difficult as a trip to the moon could also be something that would be uh, easier to lie about than to actually make happen. And again, the space program was doing things that were phenomenal, technologically phenomenal, but not as exciting as it had been in 1969 when everybody was sitting around their televisions. The, uh, the Viking missions began in 1975. Um, we even had a joint venture with the USSR and a docking exercise uh, with a... Uh, Suez, uh, Suez capsule in 1975. Now, there again is this partnership going on. Here we were in a space race with the Soviets, and that was one of the impetus for, for going to the moon, was to making sure we claim it first for everybody. Uh, and now we're, we're partnering up. Well, in truth, there was actually a, a great deal of, of non-political partnering up uh, activities uh, that were going on between America and, and the USSR. We're talking about the two superpowers. Uh, so, you know, a great, a great deal of, of academic partnership going on. And so there was a, a, a degree of, of, of sympathy, of public uh, sympathy going on there. So that idea of that Red Scare was was not as strong in the mid-70s uh, going forward. Some of it was a coincidence of timing, really. The uh, Vietnam War is at its, its height of problems, coinciding the same time as the Apollo missions. Uh, and so when this, when it's proposed, I mean, it, it's a distraction, right? Right? It couldn't be anything else other than, hey, just get your minds off of the uh, the war. Look at what we're doing over here, uh, and that's that's part of the mindset for this. It's um, you know whether that sounds absurd or not. Uh, that's that's one of the key allegations in this uh, uh, conspiracy is that this is nothing more than a distraction, and so as the Vietnam conflict is about to end, well, this effort to fake moon landings can end as well. I guess the two biggest things uh, that occurred then in, in the 70s that we can discuss really is the oil crisis that occurs in the late 70s, uh, which is tied to a tremendous amount of inflation, a, a astronomical inflationary period for the United States. Here I'm looking at it right here and from let's see 74 the annual inflation rate spiked over 
and it did that again between 79 and 81. Now, in comparison, uh, it had in the 60s, it had ratcheted up to between three and six percent. And before then, they'd never seen anything above like one and a half percent. So people were tired of seeing their money not go as far. Huge inflationary activity. People were worried about their own issues uh, financially, uh, personally. And uh, in line with that, there was uh, a backlash for all of this government spending that people saw as no longer a priority. You know, a huge amount of military spending that had gone on uh, surrounding Vietnam, and then a huge amount of this exploratory spending with NASA that wasn't showing the results that people had expected. Let's see here. To uh, there was there's so much information. You 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 have to forgive me. I, I'm digging through tons of data. I mean, there's so much on this conspiracy. It's been 40 years. People have been pouring over this, and not to mention simply the historic significance of the space program and and everything that has gone on in four decades. So I dug through tons and tons of stuff, and I've been trying to filter it down so that we're we're not sitting here talking all night. You know, there's some I guess some key activities here. What one of the things I found that that I thought was tremendously interesting was a a great uh, document that was actually published by NASA, and it is discussing public opinion of the space program, and it's 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 titled "The Impact of Space Exploration on Public Opinions, Attitudes, and Beliefs." An interesting read, not an interesting title, uh, but uh, some of the key things. I mean, by '76, by 1976, over 60% of the population was regarding spending on the space program is too high. And additionally, there was this lack of confidence in scientific endeavors going on at the time. Uh, so there was already a, a an apprehension growing with, with spending for this NASA research, for this NASA uh, activity. Um, by 19, uh, let's see, 1977, the orbital shuttle, the Enterprise, uh, was uh, was being premiered, um, and of course, we're all familiar with the space shuttle. It was tremendously advanced. It was it was a technological marvel. It operated for decades, and the the Enterprise, of course, named after the uh, the Star Trek ship of the same name was the next step. It was the progression for this uh, NASA program to get up in space and say, we can do activity, we can do research. But again, it wasn't going to the moon. It was just sending people up in space, launching satellites, running experiments, and taking a, taking a lab of, uh, of scientists up into space to do things that no one was really that familiar with, uh, and and honestly not that interested in, in terms of the, the majority of the population, because of the, you know, again, people 
people were doubting the uh, the veracity and the value of so much of this scientific exploration going on. So, you know, this this program was touted as this marvel of, of human achievement, of engineering, of of research, and within uh, four short years, it had already become a, a cliff note in activity for the public. And, and of course, they were still enamored with the idea of the moon, but all it took was someone coming out and making a reasonable argument. Uh, I shouldn't say a reasonable argument. He was making an argument with some seemingly reasonable examples, things that people are still looking at today. Um, you know, as we said earlier, some surveys indicate that upwards of 20% of the population still doubts this, still questions whether or not we went to the moon. Um, you know, so this is something that that really impacted uh, the, the psyche enough that it stuck because even after some economic recovery, even after the program continued, you know, where are we at today? No one has been back to the moon. Uh, the shuttle program was not without its its problems. I mean, even the Apollo program was not without its problems. Uh, Apollo 16, which was uh, scheduled as a as a moon landing, didn't make it due to due to a fire on the flight uh, while up there. You know, the infamous Houston, we have a problem. Uh, so nothing changed in the space program in regards to lunar exploration. Now, of course, we had satellites flying across other planets, sending us back uh, data telemetry on Mars, on Jupiter, on Saturn, and, uh, you know, everything Everything continued to advance. The, the shuttle continued to provide tons of scientific, scientific research. Uh, but and the Cold War ended, and, and all of these things have, have, have changed, and yet the moon remains unexplored since the, uh, since the missions. The question remains for those that see some validity in this conspiracy, in, in some of its, in various forms. Is it even possible to go? Is it even possible to land on the moon? And uh, that gets into, you know, the section that I'm calling the endurance scale. You know, this is still around. You know, the, the litmus test on a conspiracy theory is, is four part. Part one, there's a group of people. Step two, acting in secret. Step three, altering either an institution, usurping power, uh, or hiding truth and gaining utility. And step four, at the expense of the common good. Now, this meets all of those requirements. It meets the it meets those categories that have been identified for conspiracy theory. Now, does that mean that that this is just that a theory to be dismissed? Well, you know, it has this theory really kind of already seen its day in the sun. 
there's been a lot of evidence. And is there conclusive proof that's been proffered by NASA uh, and all of the participants of the space program over the last 40 years to settle the argument and convince everybody that we've actually been to the moon and, and set foot on the lunar surface? That's the question to answer, um, because has all of this really actually settled the argument or is the public mindset still open to the possibility of deception? I don't personally think it's done just yet. Uh, it's still a popular theory out there. And, uh, you know, the moon hoax, it's captivated imaginations for decades. And really, for one main reason, we can't see it for ourselves. You know, pictures can be faked. Evidence can be planted, even on the moon. Testimony can, can be held in suspicion. Um, until, until the first space tourist jumps onto a gray, dusty lunar theme park and, and takes selfies with the lunar lander, kicking the tires on the, on the lunar rover, there's always going to be room for doubt. So where do we stand? Is this conspiracy true? Did we fake the moon landings for political uh, positioning and uh, national pride? Or did we go to the moon? Did we set foot on an extraterrestrial surface, explore a new world, and advance beyond anything man has ever done? Or is the truth somewhere in the middle? That middle ground is the most interesting place when studying conspiracy theory. That idea that, that the public imagination can be captured by what-ifs and maybes. So next time you talk to someone about a, a conspiracy theory that pops up, next time the moon landings come up, start thinking about what was going on, when it was introduced, and get into the the mind's eye of the people hearing that for the first time. And maybe, just maybe, those crazy ideas won't sound quite so crazy. Well, thank you all for joining me today and, and giving this little podcast a try. This episode is written, edited, produced by me. So I take all the blame for the technical glitches, omitted information, and in general, the listener eye-rolling as, as I explored this idea. For this pilot episode, I, I tackled a, a huge idea, and I wanted to take a look at, at this conspiracy from a kind of a different direction. Uh, there was so much to go through, and there's so information, much information out there. Uh, there really is. Uh, I'm going to try and, and pack a lot of stuff. You know, in truth... Uh, I'm a podcast fan, probably like so many of y'all, and there are so many great shows that have talked about this, not to mention all of the, the literature, the books, the web pages, uh, YouTube channels. So I've literally just been pouring into this for for days to get ready. Uh, so I, I appreciate your patience as we got through this. I wanted to squeeze this in and not make this an go on for hours and hours on this on this first episode um, you know as we continue on I really hope that you will uh, 
continue to listen and give this a try as we go through some of these various alternative theories and ideas and explore some of the public mindset behind them, the, the historical activities, the, the current events of the day that surfaced. But until then, uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to talking to you soon.